I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey guys, welcome to And The Writer Is. I'm your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of artists and writers over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life, the industry, politics, composition, whatever. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm producing this with The Great Joe London, Big Deal Music Publishing, and Mega House Music Management. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, follow us on our socials, Find out about special live events or buy that merch, a.k.a. that hat I always wear. Go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. Welcome to And The Update Is. I am your host, Paige MacDonald, and this is your weekly music industry update. Hypnosis Songspun has acquired a catalog consisting of 115 songs from Christine McVie, who is best known as one of the principal writers and vocalists of Fleetwood Mac. Starting on January 1st of 2022, Tunji Balagon will be the new chairman and CEO of Def Jam Recordings. Bill Ackman's Pershing Square has bought 7.1% of Universal Music Group. This 7.1 acquisition has cost Pershing Square $2.8 billion. Roundhill CEO Josh Gruss has established the Josh Gruss Roundhill Music Endowed Scholarship Fund with a $1 million donation to Berklee College. Sony Music Entertainment Germany has acquired a stake in Tiger Media International GmbH, establishing what the company says will be a long-term strategic partnership in the kids' entertainment market. Warner Music Entertainment has partnered with Lightbox to co-produce, co-develop, and co-finance non-fiction film and TV projects. For those who don't know, Lightbox is a London, Los Angeles-based television and film production company. Jack White's Third Man Records is expanding into London, making the launch the first ever Third Man Records store outside of the U.S. The London-based artist and music business development company Killing Moon Group has launched the Music Federation in partnership with Believe. The Music Federation provides services-based distribution as well as label services solutions. Tempo has invested in the catalog of Tyler Joseph of 21 Pilots. The investment selection includes 21 Pilot songs, including the diamond-certified Stressed Out, Ride, and Heathens. AEG has announced that they will require concertgoers and staff to be vaccinated for all of their concerts. Bonnaroo and Summerfest are requiring COVID-19 vaccines or negative tests to attend. S10 Publishing has signed Build-A-Bitch co-writer David Arkwright. 
Casey Tyndall has signed to Riverhouse Artists and Sony Music Publishing Nashville. Casey Tyndall has shared the stage with many musicians, including Kane Brown, Kelsey Ballerini, Whiskey Myers, Jamie Johnson, and many others. Universal Music Australia will be investigating inappropriate behavior. Anonymous allegations about the workplace culture were posted on an Instagram account called Beneath the Glass Ceiling late last month, and so far two Sony Music Australia execs have departed. Former And The Writer's guest Phineas has topped Hot 100 songwriters and producer charts thanks to Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever. For the first time ever, Berklee College is opening their doors to non-musicians. The music school is now offering a Bachelor of Arts in Music Industry Leadership and Innovation. Britney Spears' dad, Jamie Spears, has finally agreed to stepping down as conservator of her estate. Hollywood Park is opening a new 6,000 capacity YouTube theater, which will be promoted by Live Nation. Cardi B has signed with Warner Chapel. This move from Sony Music Publishing comes in advance of Cardi's long-awaited second full-length album. A big thank you to Haley Evans of Mega House for gathering today's news. Now stay tuned for this week's episode of And The Writer Is. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's rising legend is a multi-Grammy award-nominated and winning producer whose top billboard charts not just once or twice, but three times. This custodian turned a DJ, turned a record producer, started making beats at the ripe old age of 16 years old. After moving to NYC in 2005, and after a decade of ups and downs, closed doors, near wins, and personal tragedy, he finally did it, landing in rooms with Cardi B, Offset, Megan B. Stallion, and many, many, many more. From Leavenworth, Kansas, by way of Dallas, Texas, his inspiring story to greatness and multiple number ones will show you how he did it and how he has more hits on the way. And the writer is Anthony Jermaine White, a.k.a. Jay White Did It. Welcome. Oh, snap, bruh. What an intro. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I love it. This is like, this is your Patrick Mahomes moment, man. Yeah. I mean, I went, I went to a, I, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Oh, and man. so I'll never forget when he walked, when he walked into Soldier Field and flashed it's flash, flash. Not, yeah, exactly. And ten fingers to show that he was drafted tenth this year that Mitchell Trubisky was drafted second. So, um, not to get into football, but I know you're a big fan of the Chiefs. Yeah, man. Uh, congratulations on an excellent season so far. Hey, man. You, you know we doing what we're supposed to do, man. We we we're doing what we're supposed to do right now. We're doing it. Keep it up. We're we're, we're you, almost there. Did you, ever, did you ever play? Um, in the high school, but honestly, um, it took me one good time in practice 
sophomore year to get hit very hard. And I realized that football wasn't for me anymore. So (laughs) I was like, uh, you know, and I I can't catch that good anyway. But what I can do is make some, uh, well, I I can play drums and I do like doing music. So I'm going to just transition and start figuring out how to do this music thing. And it, 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 it literally started from a hit in, in football practice. I think he hit me so hard that he made me want to do something different. That's a hit. <laughs> like, damn. I, re, I, I remember his name is Dallas Austin. To this day, I remember who this guy, Dallas Austin, took me the hell out. Like, six foot three or four. At the time, I'm like five, nine. 150 pounds of pure bone. <laughs> and, and, and Dallas literally just, uh, like, I, I, I still feel like, I, I think he injured me for life because, like, after that hit, I started having, like, heart, like heart palpitations. <laughs> like, it's weird. <laughs> Seriously. It was. Wait. Hmm? I mean, Dallas Austin. Is I, mean, also- I mean, not Dallas Austin. His name is Dallas. God damn me. Not, not him. Okay. Don't shoot like, me. Not, not, no, da- no, not you, Dallas Austin. It's another, it's another Dallas. I know this Yeah, I'm sorry. Imagine if one of your fellow great producers is the one who somehow knocked you out. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that not was Dallas fucking Austin. That's my, my brother. No, his name is Dallas. Uh, I forgot his name, last name. But anyway, Dallas, I remember it. And he knocked me the hell out. Dallas, if you see Man. this, I'll take you out for coffee or something like that, bro. Like, I'm pretty sure you're still big, and I'm pretty sure you're still strong. <laughs> so, you, but you obviously, you started producing pretty young. So Hell yeah. Let's talk a little bit of the story. Leavenworth is super famous for being a, a, a you know, one of the great penitentiaries yeah. in the United States. Did your family work? At all related to anything like that? What what was it like to grow up in a in a town that has the biggest federal prison? <laughs> um, I I wouldn't say my family worked in the prison, but I, I feel like they worked in the prison. If you know what I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. like a lot. I had a lot of my family inside of it, and they weren't guards. Uh, you know, they they it was definitely the prisoners. You know, um, I, I had a couple cousins uh, work work at the prison, but just being in Leavenworth, um, matter of fact, since it's just us, let me just just give you a more real in-depth story of me before Leavenworth. I was actually born in Arkansas. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I was born in a place called Blytheville, Arkansas. So I'm, I moved to Leavenworth around three years old. So from three years old to maybe 12, I bounced back and forth from Arkansas to Leavenworth until, until finally like eighth grade, I just stayed in Leavenworth on out. You know what I mean? But I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, sometimes I catch slack from people from Arkansas because they feel like I, I don't talk about them much at all. But, you know, um, the reason why, because I, I just never had a good time being in Arkansas. Like I've always had nothing but terrible memories <laughs> so I've always tried to just delete that. Yeah, what well, what kind of terrible memories? What is that? Man, mean? so 
you know, back in Arkansas, like, um, that's where, like, I got picked on the most, you know, as a kid, uh, walking to school, walking from school, um, you know, like my, my, my mother, um, God rest her soul, you know, she, uh, at the time, you know, like in the early nineties, late eighties, that was a crack epidemic. You know what I'm saying? Like it was terrible. So, um, she became a thief. So, uh, to support her habit. So I would go to school and I, I remember this second grade. I, I remember this. She like would steal me some of the same clothes. The clothes would be new but it would be the same exact thing. So one time I wore the same outfit to school and there's like, the kid was like, you know, you wore that yesterday. I said, no, I didn't. This is brand new. My mom has got me the same thing. And then one kid was like, yeah, cause your, your mom was a stealer. She was at my house selling us meat. And I was just like, Oh, and then from, from that, I started to form a false narrative of my life. So therefore I started to imagine myself being a different person. Imagine me having an actual mom that wasn't on drugs. Uh, and I, I started to imagine myself actually having my dad in my life. So I built up a false narrative of just making my, my, my myself somebody who I wasn't. You know what I mean? So I became a different person on the inside. I, I so a lot of times, you know, MTV um, raised me. So just with, with that being said, like I, I didn't really understand hip hop music until I, I got maybe like in maybe at the age of maybe thirteen, fourteen, I started to just embrace hip hop music because I I really didn't like it. It, it. If it wasn't on MTV, I, I didn't know what it was. You know, because I just felt the connection to MTV, but uh, Arkansas, man, um, hell, that's where my mother was uh, killed at. You know, now um, it, it, it'd be in two weeks, it'd be six years. Uh, she was killed in that same place uh, that I told her not to go back to, Blyville, Arkansas. Um, that I lived in the projects um, in Blyville, Arkansas. Blyville is a small town. If you look it up. Our population there is probably um, 13,000, 14,000 people, maybe. I, I don't know if, if that. It's a very, very small town. Um, but it's one of like, the most dangerous towns um, because there's a lot of murders. I've had a lot of murders in my family there. I've seen a lot of my family members strung out on drugs. Um, I, I got some good family members that still maybe lingering there. But for the most part, as a kid growing up there, for the little time I was there, I didn't have the fondest of memories there. You know what I mean? It was, it, it was just a lot of times going to school um, and just really trying to build a different life at school that I didn't have at home, you know, and just being a kid, I know material things as in whatever, but, you know, being a, a young person, kids are, you know, kids are just going to say what they're going to say. And, you know, and I, I didn't have the best shoes. My grandma did the best she could. You know, um, it, it, it would be times where my grandma, I told her to stop dropping me off at school because her car was so loud. Like, it sounded like eight motorcycles driving together. Mm. You know what I mean? So, 
I, I, I would have her drop me off down the street so I could just walk up to the school and to the point to where I was like, you know what, Grandma? I'll just walk to school because it's going to save me the embarrassment of getting laughed at when I get out this 1978 or 77 tornado. You know what I'm saying? That the ceiling was falling into. You know what I mean? Or, you know, just not, you know, just not having the other stuff that I saw kids have. But, you know, it, it was just my mission, honestly, to just never be like that. And honestly, when, when, when I left there permanently, I, I said that I never wanted to come back there ever again in my life, you know. And, um, you know, some people who was from that area love that area. But, you know, I, I, I just never honestly liked that area. So it's like in my head, I said, damn, I really did a, a, a good ass job of honestly deleting that city from my life because nobody talks about it. But the older I get, the more. I need to be more transparent about who I really am and just learning, you know, not to be, you know, ashamed of, you know, my whole history because I was very ashamed of being um, that kid from Blasville, Arkansas. Um, you know, I, I, I always said, yo, I'm from Kansas city, which I grew up there. I did. That's my heart. That's my home. That's, you know, that's all my, I got family there, friends. I like. I just got in yesterday from Kansas City. He <laughs> like literally. I I I love that place, and I said, "Damn, I really wish I was really from that area, born there." But you know, I I, I just grew up there for the most part. You know, I'm really from Arkansas. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm really from there. But like I said, the 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 short time I was there, I had the worst you know, experiences, you, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I can't recall anything really good as, except for just gaining um, an appreciation for hard work and having a tough skin. You know, um, I think that's how I was raised there, you know, from, like, I literally was tortured. Like, I literally got made fun of all the time. Like I wore glasses, like the big Steve Urkel glasses, you know, because, you know, we was on welfare, so we, we got only what the welfare is going to pay for. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 it was just, you know. Do you have contact with anybody from that era? Do people from that era at all look at you and realize the person that you've become? A few people, a few people who remember me because I literally vanished from that place. Like, I literally made myself, like, non-existent there. The only people who know I'm from there is my family members and they got constantly remind people, no, he's from here. He's from here. He's from here. <laughs> you know, so uh yeah. Um the 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 a few people that know that I'm 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 from there, you know, it's like a big you know, it's exciting, but it's it's almost disheartening to them because I don't ever talk about it. So it's almost like it's not real. Because even if you look on my Wikipedia it's wrong. It says I was born in Dallas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I have no recollection of Arkansas nowhere on my bio. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It, well, was there, um, you know, I know you, your parents were church singers. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, like, you grew up around this place that clearly was really negative. Yeah. 
but there must have been a lot of music in your life. And with MTV being influential and church music being influential, do you think of that era at all as a, you know, the place where you were introduced to music or do you think of of that as, as Kansas? No, no, no. I was introduced to music. You just initially in um, Arkansas, you know, um, as a baby, as soon as my mom had me, you know, at 16, she, you know, she's in singing group. So, they, you know, and my grandmother was too. And my dad was, you know, he was doing his thing, playing with gospel artists and traveling around and doing his thing as well. So I, I was in the church. As soon as I was, I mean, able to go outside, I, I was in the church already listening and hearing whatever they was playing, you know. And I always had the love for just not the singing aspect of it, but the the musical side of it. So, uh, you know, I would oftentimes like, you know, down there, they have a bunch of singing programs on Friday and Saturday. So my grandmother had me in church like seven days a week, pretty much. So Friday and Saturdays, I literally, you know what I mean, would go and and just sit by the drummers or the guitar players or piano players. If, it, if they play sax, whatever, I would literally sit there and just be at awe. I'm like, oh my God, like they are controlling the crowd at a young age. Like, man this is really cool. Like, these are like the rock stars. Like, all everybody loved them. And it felt like an escape. It, it, it felt like what I, it, 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 it lined up with what the narrative I was creating in my head. Like, this is what I want to be. And then the drummer was just the coolest guy ever. So I was like, damn, I like the drummer. So that's what I want to do. I want to play drums. My uncle plays drums. Um, that's the cool guy. So maybe people will stop making fun of me then. It, it seems like a lot of our best songwriters are church alumni. Yeah, man. What is, it about, what is it about music that you learn in a church that is so, um, that that's so transferable. That's so, you know, it just, it, it, it feels like the root of everything. I mean, um, what, what is that? Why, why are church musicians so good? Because one, one thing that you can't run from is the feeling and the energy. And I've always kept that, you know, if it feels good, it's going to touch people right then and there. Um, just like being a musician in church, you know exactly what to do to invoke the energy into the crowd and make them, if this, if that church is, a church that really loves music, you know, they're, you know, especially the black churches, the, the I mean, like the Southern Baptist churches, Pentecostal, they're, it's like shout music, man. Like, like we get our energy from the music, from, from the choir. And, and sometimes, you know, when I was playing drums, I, I would just get so caught up in the music. It just takes over my, my body. And, and, and that energy, I'm, as I'm hitting drums, it's going out into the crowd and I'm feeding off of that. You know what I mean? So when it comes to me producing now, I still have that same energy. If I feel that, I know somebody else is going to feel that too. So I would do little things at church back in the day. And I would do little things just to get a reaction. Like, okay. Uh, oh, yep. Boom. There there go uh, Brother Johnny right there. He's, he's about to, uh, got him up. Uh, then all of a sudden, boom, whole church on fire. Let's go. Offering time. 
<laughs> Let's get it. Seriously. I, I, I learned that from my daddy, actually. My dad, he knew how to invoke that sound to people, and he played little things just to get them excited. And he made a move on that guitar, you know? He made a move well. I just studied, I studied it like, damn, it's little... And that's honestly, that's what stuck with me is the, the energy, the emotion that, you know, gospel artists and, and musicians put into songs. Like you can listen to a, a, a gospel song now and start crying because of the emotion you can hear them singing it in for the most part. You learned a lot of that, I assume, in Kansas City then, right? That by the time you start getting into yeah. playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Kansas City, and a lot of people don't know this. I'm sure you do, but um, you know, a lot of our listeners might not know that Kansas City is the home of some of the greatest music in American history: Charlie Parker, Count Basie, Burt Bacharach. Like the, the list is Lester Young. Like it is, it is the home of what yes. we now. Yeah, it was. It was the difference of there was, you know. There were a lot of movements in jazz, but what Charlie Parker brought to bebop, what Count Basie brought by bringing blues and basically the, you know, you could argue he's sort of the father of R&B music. And it's like, you know, it's all Kansas City based. Uh, and, you know, music now, I know that there's, there's Atlanta and there's L.A. and there's Nashville, but Kansas City was the home of so much the amazing home. American music. Yes. Wow. What is what did Kansas City have that? What does that city have that all the other cities don't? I I, I don't I don't I don't know as far as like what we have that other cities don't. I'll say I I just know me coming up in it. What we didn't have was a lot of things to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> so being in Kansas City just area. It's either you're going to do a couple things. You're going to play sports. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're going to work at the prison. You're going to join the military. You're going to work at Hallmark. Mm. Or uh, you're going to do R&B music. You know what I mean? And 
R and B is so huge. Like as far as just like jazz and you know that that whole that's it's 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 huge there. You know, um, back home. You know, it, it, it. I honestly don't know why our culture there is so. I mean, the jazz and everything and, and, and the musicians that we we had there. It, it was a mecca at the time. So I, I think me, you know, me not knowing the whole history of it. I'll say that I, I feel like their energies, their kids, their you know, their offspring, their whatever stayed there in Kansas City, and it is it, really just it's like the way of the land there. It's like we all do R and B, like like hip hop music was the last thing for me to learn how to do. You know what I mean? Like I didn't understand rap music. I didn't understand why do we have to have all these damn eight oh eights. Why we need so much damn bass? Like, ugh. Why, why, why can't we just do the music side and just be cool? You know what I mean? Like, let's no turn that bass down. Let me just let me hear some chords. Let me hear some nice R and B chords, and, and I'm good. Like to, to this day, bro, I'm staying. Literally, if you go sit, if you ride with me in my car, you're gonna hear music soul child. You know, there there are limited places for musicians to have their music heard in Kansas City. Obviously. You know, too far from St. Louis, and there's some music scene there, and you know, too far from a few places. But how does someone in Kansas City who starts making beats realize that the beats are any good? And you know, what's the what's the process of that? How do you get noted, a musician in Kansas City? Great question. You know, as a musician. on that side, that's pretty easy. Just be in church, and and the and, and the good musician is going to rise to the top. You know what I mean? Uh, as far as the Kansas City goes, but um, as far as being like a good music producer, um, that's a different journey. You know, um, because nobody's flying into Kansas City and looking for us. Nobody's coming in to you know sign us or do anything. You know, unless you want to go to tech nine and go to his label, you know, with Travis strange music, you know, um, shout out to them. Um, you're, you're pretty much scratching the surface. So for the longest, you know, with myself, I was really trying to figure, figure it out. I would go to St. Louis and whatnot and try to link up with people, especially, um, during the whole St. Louis, you know, uh, the St. Louis surgeons, of you know, uh, Nelly and Jaquan and, uh, Chingy and you know that whole little era of time. Um, St. Louis is like almost like the Atlanta, close to us. So I would take a couple trips there, and I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I was like, well, <laughs> they everybody getting signed from here, so I, I, I guess I need to be around. But um, what happened for me was um, I started using social media early. When you know we were still on AOL Messenger and you know um, Yahoo Messenger and stuff like that, you know, so I, I was on this app called Black Planet, and that's how I would start networking, honestly. And I would just start talking to people who did music, who was in the chat rooms from you know uh, around the country, and I, that's how I got you know my beats out there. Um, honestly, I, I, you know, and back in the day, I didn't really do a lot of emailing, 
You know, you had to actually do like some real mailing sometimes. So if you want to mail some beats to somebody, you you you're gonna burn it on a CD, mm. and you're gonna and you're gonna send it. <laughs> you know what I mean in the mail. Um, and that's what I did. You know, uh, in the early times, and um, I I I found like one of my first people to work with. You know, besides the group that I was in, um, he was from New York. God rest his soul. You know, J- Jermaine Forster. Um, I met him in a chat room on Black Planet back in 2005. And, you know, everything else kind of changed from there. You know, it was a moment to where, you know, I would talk to do all the time and he just wanted beats. And he pretty much, him and his manager just came up with the thing where, hey, if you make beats for my artists, you can come stay with us, you know, in this, in, in our apartment, you know, in Queens. And we won't charge you, you know, as long as you're making beats and whatnot for him. So back, you know, we don't got Instagram. We don't got Zoom back then. You know, we don't got none of that. All we have is each other's voice and our word <laughs> and our intuition to make sure that this person ain't crazy. That, that's like meeting a girl or something back in the day. Like, you're on the phone. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'm about, you know, da 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 da, da. Okay, let's meet up at the, you know, at, at the mall. I've, I've had a couple bad experiences meeting girls back back then. Oh, uh, man, I, I met a couple situations. That's I was gonna thing to explain to people now that you actually used to, you'd go to a, you know, if you were at the old enough at that point to go to a bar, you'd go to a bar and not everyone would be on their phone because you could only do one function with your phone, which was call or maybe two. Maybe you could text someone. But even before that, you probably just had a bunch of people with their pagers out. And like, <laughs> only so much you can do on your device. So you actually would talk to the people that were there and nobody was yeah. looking down at their phone because there was nothing to look at. You'd just be looking for bottles and who else was at the bar. So eye contact was nonstop. And you'd actually have to go and say hi to people. And they would say hi to you because there were no phones. It's hard to explain. Like, there was an era for people. It was like, I think the start of everything that changed was when they brought in the damn sidekicks. That's when everything changed for us, man. The, the, and and like the G one and the BlackBerry, man, it just took everything away, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> and things started getting you know easier and easier, you know. Uh, oh, and the two way, you remember that when it came out? Yeah, I mean, I I was I ended up being more of a BlackBerry person, but I mean, I still I still on some people's um, contacts in my in my phone to this day, there's still a pin number. <laughs> Because all the contacts just transferred over, and I still have like people's pin numbers. Literally. Oh my god, that's amazing! So, Bro, that is so. Do you remember the, the chirp, the the, the, the yeah. chirp pump? Oh, Jesus! But 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 yeah, man. I mean, wait, who gets you? You know, you're you become this musician who can play in the church, you can hang there, but and and I know we jumped over to. You know St. Louis and whatnot, but there's got yeah. someone along the way that says to you, you know what you're, you know what you're doing at home creating beats. That's that's like that's like something you should send out. You should burn to it. You know what what gave you the confidence that what you were doing was real? Man, that's weird. 
Because it's like my false narrative <laughs> that I've created in my head, I had it going for so long. You know what I mean? That Why do you say it's a false narrative? What if it's just your narrative? What makes it false? What makes it false was the lies that I told myself about my life, about who I was, about everything. You know, even the reason why I don't go by my first name, Anthony. You know, the reason why I go by Jermaine, because back in the day I stuttered so bad, like I couldn't talk. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't say A's, couldn't say S's. Can say T's, can say eight. I couldn't, you know, anything that I would, eh, I would, eh, you know what I mean? It was over. So I just created a whole new person. I, I created Jermaine, and Jermaine, uh, dad was in the army. Uh, his mom was a nurse. Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, I and that's when I say false narrative. You know what I mean? Because that's not true. You know. So I, I just lose so, your stutter when you huh? by changing your name and sort of changing the narrative. Did that actually help you lose the stutter? Yeah. yeah, it did. It did because like eighth grade, like when I, you know, um, when I came back to Kansas, um, eighth grade, I was Anthony pretty much. Uh, ninth grade, I was Anthony, but I was teeter tottering with Jermaine a little bit, but. Um, in Leavenworth, you know, it's a military town. So we get a, a new batch of kids come in every year. So I said, hey, this summer, I'm changing my name. And everybody would not know that this guy stutters. I'm actually going to be Jermaine. So I told all my friends, yo, if y'all call me Anthony, I'm not answering. Call me Jermaine. No, um, I'm Jermaine. I'm Jermaine. I'm Jermaine. Jermaine, 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 Jermaine. And once I became Jermaine, I said, okay, I have a new slate now. I have a new slate to be somebody totally new. Jermaine doesn't stutter. Anthony do. Jermaine don't. So therefore, I became Jermaine. So was it like Jermaine produces beats and Anthony doesn't? Was it like that? It was like Anthony don't exist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's done with. Does Anthony exist now? Yeah. Very much so, you know, especially, yeah, Anthony, that's my son's name, Anthony Jr., you know what I mean? Like, I, I love I love my whole name, you know, but it was a bunch of insecurities, man. I had a bunch of insecurities, a bunch of insecurities, you know, just of my past, you know. Um, my past, it, was, it, it, it wasn't the, the most flattering, you know. Um, being homeless, you know, with my mom and, uh, man, sleeping on my um, cousin's wooden floor at the time with nails in it. Um, her daughter uh, one time walked by and just kicked me in my face while I'm on, laying on the floor and was like, this ain't your house. You know, you, you don't got anywhere to go. Stuff like that. You know what I mean? So uh, having my little sister with me and having to take care of her at a young age, trying to figure out how to get food for us. Hence, reasons why I was going back and forth to Kansas. Because I would call my grandmother and be like, hey, my mom ain't doing this or that. My, my grandmother would send for me. Or my mom would be like, okay, I'm going to take y'all back up there. And then um, one time, it just got so bad that I just called my grandmother. I, I said, grandma, like, look, 
my mama is doing this, da 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 da. And she said, Well, she ain't paying me mistreat my grandbabies, me and my little sister. So I was like, I don't know where we're gonna sleep no more, grandma. This is this is happening here, da 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 da. And um, you know, she came down and and got me, and that was it. You know what I mean? And yeah, it, it, so so a lot. So I was so embarrassed as a kid to just let people know my life like that. You know what I mean? So like I said, at a young age, I started creating little lies, little, little lies about myself, so I can make me. It was like self medication to make me feel better, and and just saying, "Damn, I know this can't be my reality. This can't be my reality. This is weird. <laughs> this, this this can't this, this can't be my reality." How? Why was I born like this? Why do everybody else's parents get to come to the damn school and see them performing the play? And my grandma is sickly, so she might try to make it. Other than that, or the football game, or basketball. I'm, I'm, I'm. Everybody got their parents. Soon as I'm done, I, I got to walk home. I'm done. You know what I mean? Uh, my grandma. Hey, uh, Anthony. Uh, hey, baby. How'd you do? Oh, grandma, I did pretty good. Okay, good. Remember, you can be whatever you want to be. You know what I mean? Keep going. And, you know, that, that was my support. That's so, yeah. so I created just things like, hey, where's your parents? Hey, where's your, oh, well, my mom, she's at work all the time. My dad's in the army, so he's da da da. Knowing that, no, my dad is having sex with every female that he can having kids everywhere on drugs and playing in church. What the fuck? Like, my mom is in prison every year and a half. She gets out, goes back to prison for the same exact thing. Do you think that having these false, the false narrative and having that, you know, you're giving yourself this really high quality advice. Like you, what you did in parenting yourself is remarkable, man. Man, I just always felt like, I appreciate it. I always just felt like this wasn't it. And I said, this don't make sense to me. As a kid, I'm like, why do we got to have food stamps? You know, why do we have, why do we, we have to have less than others? Why? It, 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 why do I got to go to the Salvation Army, you know, and get this? Why do I got to be on the census um, pick list for somebody to come buy us gifts and stuff like that? Like, why, why can't my family just get together? So I just created my own. Like, I, and so my mission was to become very successful. I mean, I mean it was su- successful to change the whole narrative of my family life, you know? Uh-huh. Clear. I mean, obviously, you did that. You know, one of the, the you know, as they say, it's like the hardest thing. There's a big difference between being homeless and having a home, and having a home and having a mansion. You know, <laughs> but there's a there's a huge difference along the way. And and um, how were you able to? I mean, this is my. How were you able to get instruments? How were you able to get? How were you able to get the computer? How were you able to produce? Good question. Great question. 
Ross, great question, brother. <laughs> um, you you asked some good questions, by the way. I'm just saying. But um, <laughs> um, let's start from the instruments, right? Okay, so learn, learn how to play drums. Um, I would literally just get pots and pans out the kitchen and boxes and stuff and set them in my room and just hit them. You know, and that's how I would practice at home. And that's when I was like in the 11. But then, remember I, I said that I was going to a lot of church programs. My grandmother was uh, the cook in the morning. She made breakfast, bre- breakfast for the church. It was only like maybe four members that come early because they had to go to work. So we had to get up at 6 a.m. in the morning on Sundays, be at church by like 6.30, and um, she would make breakfast for, you know, the, the couple members that was there. Church service didn't start till like 9 o'clock. That was Sunday school. So it was about an hour or a little less than that for the, the, the morning service. I would literally be there, me and my little sister and my grandmother and the pastor, I would be there the whole time, and so I would play on the, the piano, I would practice, and I would play on drums. I would practice, and so I, that's how I learned how to play drums, because I had really nothing else to do mm. but practice. So I was at church all the time, so the drums were sitting there, and they always encouraged you to, yeah, get better, try, get better. Uh, so I did, and I learned how to do a drum roll when I was in Arkansas. I was like 12. My uncle came down visiting and he hit a drum roll and he showed me how to do it. And I said, Oh damn, I get it. I get, Oh snap. That was like my thing. And then I just took off. I'm like, okay, I'm a drummer now. <laughs> Not knowing the rest, but yeah, I mean, that's how I, you know, I, I use the church's equipment to learn how to play an instrument. Um, when it came to, uh, making beats, uh, my uncle, um, Eddie White, um, does this keyboard at Radio Shack called, it was a Optimus something, I forgot, but it was an Optimus keyboard at uh, Radio Shack, and you, you see how long Radio Shack is gone. <laughs> um, damn, that, that feels like Blockbuster. I mean, there's not, uh, not a musician who is our age who didn't spend more time in a store radio shop because that's where you'd go to get all the cables where they're a little, you know, they're more affordable than guitar center. They're more, like you go to radio shack and you're just trying to get adapters. It's just adapters. (laughs) Radio. Man. I love radio shack, man. Like that was like my thing, man. Like adapters, cables, tape, you know, to, you know, to re- do your overdub, like, it, it was just a, a great story, man. It was, a, it was a great story, man. I was sad when, 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 when it left, but um, that was this keyboard, and I said, damn, these sounds sound like the ones that many fresh views. This sound like what's on the radio right now. So I told my uncle, I said, yo, there's a keyboard. It's like, I think, like, what, 2000, maybe? 2001? I don't know. Uh, one, I said, there's a keyboard at Radio Shack and it's crazy. You can make beats on there. He was trying to make beats back in the day as well, you know, but not as serious as me though. Like, but he was like, oh yeah. I was like, yes, oh, you gotta check it out. So one day he, uh, at the school, he was like, yo, come over to my crib. 
because he stayed down the street from my grandmother's house. I, I, I kid you not, I stopped by there, and that keyboard was just sitting there on the table. And it was just sitting there with the spit. I, I said, yo, you bought Dang. He's like, you got to keep it right here. But I promise you, this is how he sounds. So but you can practice, keep it right here, and you can make beats all you want to. <laughs> I like, uh, I pre listen, man. Look, this is we finna be rich. <laughs> Yo, I'm finna be signed at the age of 16, 15. What well, I'm finna be rich. So so I would spend all my money up at my job. I would I would, I would to Taco Bell Express. I wouldn't even care. I'm like, shoot, I'm finna be rich in about a year or two. I'm making beats. I don't even care. <laughs> I got five dollars left, so right, I'm finna be rich in high school. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh I figured out that wasn't it, but that was, that was my first, um, my, my uncle at the time, he'll let me at the football practice or after like ROTC or whatever. Um, when he worked so much, he was like, just go ahead and take the keyboard, uh, to your house for, you know, a few days or a week or so just practice on it and make beats. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, we all had stereos back then. So I would put my, I plug it up to the stereo, put my tape in. That's how I recorded my beats on there. You know what I mean? But, Funny story, though. Funny story. A week before my uncle got the keyboard, there were these seniors in in high school, and they was rapping, and they was like, man, we need some beats. So I was like, well, I make beats. Bro, I've never made a beat in my life, bro. I promise you, I didn't know how it was done. I didn't know how you... <laughs> what I did... <laughs> Yo, bruh. I literally... I said, I'll make some beats. It's like, all right, yeah, let's let's hear a beat tomorrow. I said, I got you. I literally took a book and I did this. And I started beatboxing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I recorded that on tape. And that's the <laughs> That's my first beat. And I and and and, and we had the cafeteria. And they they gonna play it, and they heard was <laughs> a beatbox and me hitting on the table. They said, "Ah oh, man, this ain't no beat. You don't make beats." I said, "Kind of like, kind of like Timbaland. I mean, the guy was doing the same. <laughs> like there were people, you know, danger. Like people were doing it. Yeah, but my thing was, it was just a, it was just a pure audio of me beatboxing yeah, exactly. and hitting on a book. Yeah, <laughs> and it was the, but that." <laughs> I can't believe I did that to this day. Like I really beatboxed and hit on a book and said, "Hey, here's a beat for you right there." But, but honestly, after I got that keyboard with my uncle, he got that for me. Um, then fast forward, uh, you know, I, I say this: you you can't make it anywhere without help. Because I don't I don't want to put out put out you know the narrative that. You know, Jay White just did it by itself and blah, blah. I, I definitely didn't. I definitely had people who believed in what I was doing, you know, and they seen something in me sometimes more than I seen myself. But, you know, so um, things get kind of rough. Uh, my, my grandmother passes when I was 18. She, she you know, she, she dies on, on freak, just just like crazy, bro. Like I'm on the couch 
and my girl was going in for a routine like checkup. The doctor said, "Yo, you need to have triple bypass heart surgery." The the the, the surgery goes well. My mom comes down um, and whatnot, speaks to her. I'm at work. I work all the time at Taco Bell Express, and um, you know, I'm just waiting on my grandma to get back to the house. Like I'll see her when she gets back. The surgery went well. My cousin comes up. He said, Anthony, have anybody called you? I said, nah. Man, it ain't going well for you. It ain't going well for, for Aunt Johnny B, which is my grandma, or his auntie. I was like, what you mean? What's wrong? I don't know. It ain't looking well. Come to find out, they didn't put the tube far enough down her throat so she, she can get hockey. Brain dead. Gone. You know what I mean? So um, that was a whole... Like my grandmother raised me. Like she was like my uh, protector. She didn't let nobody misuse us. You know what I mean? She stood up for to everybody. She's five foot two, wide, and had baseball bat and a, a, a forty five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like my, that was my grandma. You know, uh, but um, you know things took a turn after she passed. Um. Anyway, I. I went to Michigan. Uh, I actually moved to Michigan at 17 for like six, seven months and went to high school there for a little minute. Why Michigan? And, um, that's where my brothers and my like my grandparents were at on my dad's side. So I just wanted something new because I didn't know. I, I, I don't know. I was, I, I, I think I was almost preparing myself to be without my grandmother. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I, I left. And, you know, me and my siblings, you know, didn't have the best relationship. You know, that was fucking torture in its own. That was like worse than, that was almost like Blytheville again, because they from Blytheville too. And they had that same type of energy at the time. You know, they had that same as just talk about you type of energy better than, like it was just a, it was so weird. It was just the weirdest thing. So, how does somebody in you know you're in Michigan, you're surrounded by this negativity, yeah, and you're, you know, the seems like the one of two people are really positive in your story with your grandma and you know. Eddie, your uncle and stuff. You yeah. know, it seems like you're not close to those people in proximity. You know, and here you are trying to make some beats and trying to figure out what you're going to do for a living. Yeah. I, it isn't that long from then to when you end up in New York. No. You know, something switched where you're like, I'm out. You go to New York. And you go and like you were saying, you were in Queens and you were staying on, you know, you're willing to make beats f- to stay somewhere. Uh, yeah. What's the process from starting to make beats in Queens? You've got, you know, you have a little bit of like, the, like you were saying, a false narrative going, but you're also are, you're, you're just changing, you know? What is the thing? Sorry, sorry, sorry. My, my, my phone had wrong. Sorry, my, my son's mother. No, it's fine. Um, is there something changes once you get to New York 
And, you know, I don't know if it's the false narrative, it's, you know, what it is, but what, what was it that changed your trajectory from negativity, a tough childhood, living it at somebody's place, making beats. So many people are making beats. What was it that you were doing? That. What was different? I, I, I honestly, I was, I wasn't afraid. Yeah, I, I wasn't afraid to travel and learn. Um, I always kept my ear to the radio. So if it sounded like it was supposed to be on the radio, I wouldn't make it. A lot, a lot of times, I I would re I would re-engineer beats, or I would redo tracks inside and out to see if I could do it too. And I knew if I could do it. I'm close. I'm I'm somewhere near where I need to be. So I would redo Little John stuff. I would, I would redo Scott Storch's stuff, Three Seasons Mafia stuff. You know, at the time, Jazzy Faze or Dr. Dre's, whoever was the hottest. I I, I would try to remake their beats. You know, uh, my my friend had bought a Yamaha Motif uh, by the name of Staff, and. You know, he let me have it really <laughs> at the time, so I was able. To, you know, that, I think that's when a lot of things changed for me. But, but um, I, I honestly, things didn't really, bro. Honestly, bro, things didn't really change for me until, and it's such a long story. But like, it, it, this needs to be like a three part, three part interview, bro. Like things didn't really change for me, bro. Like click for me until like twenty fifteen. To be honest, with you. 2015 is a really big year for you for so many reasons, which we can get into in a minute. But from 2005, you go to New York, you spend that time making beats, and then you go back to Kansas. You work as a janitor, you work as a yeah. DJ. You know, yeah. people um, people in Kansas who are working as janitors and DJs, a lot of them say that they make beats on their own time. A lot of them say they make music, but that's a whole decade of getting by <laughs> in Kansas City, you know, what keeps you positive in making music still, even during all that? Are you, you know, what's your, what, in, in a few sentences, what are 10 years of living in Kansas? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, a few sentences. <laughs> man, bro, I can be less than that, man. Really, faith. Mm-hmm. Faith, man. Faith. Um, belief in yourself. I always, like I said, bro, what kept me positive is I always knew that my outcome wasn't what people may think it should be, as in a stat. You know what I mean? As in the kid who didn't have the parents, drugs, grandparents, I should be in jail or doing the same thing or doing some nothing shit. I, I always felt like I was gonna be one of those ones you know so i just kept at it you know and i was you know just relentless with it i lost a lot of friends on the way you know the 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 journey was extremely tough but honestly that's what kept me positive you know most of the time not gonna lie I, i was discouraged a lot of different times too sometimes i would wake up and be like what the hell am i doing will i ever make it but a lot of other times, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm doing, and 
this has to work because Ross, if me and you together right now, riding in a car and you're in the, the tire goes on flat, bro, I can't help you change the tire. I don't know how. I literally put everything into what I do. So I just felt like, you know, this had to work. In 2015, you know, I feel like it's important that we talk about that really yeah. ends, you know, your mother's murdered. Yeah. 2015. Mm-hmm. Your childhood is so based around her. Um, and I know that you, you know, how did you, how, I, I don't even know what the words are to describe what that must do for somebody. But like you said really early on that you told her not to go back to Arkansas. Yeah, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know any real details. You don't have to go into it. Okay. How does that change who you are as a, as a person? How does that change who you are as a musician? How does that change who you are as, you know, as a human on this planet? Man, you know, after that situation happened with my mother, um, a blur <laughs> to be honest with you I don't really remember too much of 2015 you know it's really blurry like I can remember spots but I don't remember everything because it was so much in 2015 it was just a year of bullshit you know but uh, I started to weigh out my my goods and my bads in a different way. As in, I looked at what I could really handle. And if I could handle my, my mother's death, and my grandmother is gone already. Now my mom is gone. And, you know, she was such a sweet person, you know. Um, I looked at that, man, as um, that was my scale of pretty much if I can make it through this, I can make it through anything. You know, uh, so I start to look at things a lot lighter because my mom is gone and nobody knows what that pain feel like unless you lost a parent. And uh, I lost my parent, you know what I mean? So I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It's, it's still tough, you know. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I literally just said, if I can handle this, um, <laughs> nothing can stop me and I still to this day still think like that like the pain of losing her take your time man hmm. now yeah I ain't, I ain't trying to cry like that I'm, I'm good it's, it's just it's, it's tough you know because like you know my mom told me she was just like um, you know she told me a lot of things, man, before she passed. Not, you know, like I had a little money, a tad bit. And when she was with me in Dallas, you know, I took her, I was like, let's go to a hotel. Let's stay there. She was like, she was like, Anthony, you know what? I said, what's up, mom? She said, you know, I never stayed in a hotel before. I'm like, what? She's like, I've never stayed like in a nice hotel. I've stayed in motels, but I've never stayed in a hotel like this before. I said, the Hilton? 
<laughs> wow. Okay, mom. Well, guess what you have now? You got your own room. Did you? And, and then like I bought her like new shoes and stuff. She's like, dang, like Anthony. You know, I, I, I've never had like just new shoes of my own. It'd be either be from prison or hand me downs or something from you know whatever. I said, wow, wow. You know, and you know, I don't know, man. <laughs> It, 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 I, it, 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 it literally clicked for me after she passed. Um, 2016, I, like I said, I the whole suicide thing was, you know, tough, you know, as in me wanting to commit suicide, you know, because now, you know, I got two kids. Um, music is the hardest thing to do on earth is to try to be a musician, especially at the highest level, because everybody's not going to make it. And, and that's just the, the realness about it. Uh, it's, it's a select few of, of people that actually reach the very top and the number one status and having the number one record in the country and the number one record in a lot of different countries, that's pretty hard to do, especially with a, you know, a, 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 a unknown guy like myself. Uh, with my, my mom, she just, I just really use her as fuel, man. She was, and she's still my fuel. She's like my jet fuel. Like I'm still going because of her. So everything is my mom. Everything. I mean, everything. What, what's undoubtedly the the greatest turnaround in the history of this podcast, <laughs> which we've done 130 episodes. Amazing. With all kinds of legends. Yeah, man. I don't know of anybody who goes from a year like that to what your next three years turn out to be. <laughs> um, yeah, man. It's so, you know, faith or patience, karma, yeah. I don't know what you call it, but I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand how you can have a year like that you beat Cardi B in 2016. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that happens. She's not Cardi no. yet, you know? Yeah, but, she ain't Cardi and I ain't Jay White. It's so crazy, man. Yeah. I mean, this is that thing you try to explain to people why it's important to work with artists who maybe aren't at the very, very top yet. Because you could be the one that defines their career. Exactly. Um, and some people it's by accident. Some people it's not, you know. In this case, the fact that you meet Cardi in 2016 and then Bodak Yellow comes out in 2017. goes number one on Billboard for three consecutive weeks. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I mean, this—it's like hard to fathom how how crazy that is and how unusual that is. But um, from your words, what it, that's the biggest turnaround in of anybody I've ever met in the music industry to go from <laughs> 2015 2016 to the biggest song in the world. Um, how did you deal with that? I man, honestly. From from that jump, bro, twenty sixteen, just going to that. I I talked to one of my good friends, Will Blackman, 
you know, he was, you know, in the NFL at the time. He told me to write down some lofty goals. The most loftiest goals you can think of. And I said, okay, cool. I, I will. I'm working with cardio now. By, by now I am. I write down, I want to get a number one record in the world. That's the first thing I wrote down. I said, I, I want to go number one by next year. 2017, I got number one, man. Um, damn, what's, what's the question again? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm I mean, you're sort of all answering it because I can imagine it being, I, I was just, how do you react to having the number one? Song? Oh, yeah, man. So, okay, yeah, thank you. So I'm reacting. Okay, so when I went number, when we went number eight, I was already like hyped because people just like the song, you know, but going number eight, like I can, I was just shaking. Like I was broke as hell, but I was sh- shaking. Like I can't believe this shit. Like Bodak Yellow is number eight on a Hot 100. That's number one to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like being number fifty is number one to me. Like yo, I'm competing. That's only seven songs better than mine. Wow, damn. So I'm just like. I, I, it's it's like an out of body experience. It's like I can't believe this is really. I I can believe it, but wow, it's finally it's 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 like a about damn time feeling. I I wasn't shocked, really. I I, I was. I, yeah, I don't want to lie and say I was shocked. It, it it was more, it was more like a finally. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, it takes so long at this point. You've been releasing songs for a while, but you've gone through yeah. so much up and down. I don't think that people, when people expect there to be a giant party whenever you have certain kind of successes that everyone else is like waiting for you on the streets to give you like a ticker tape parade. But in reality, it's you yeah. just like calming down and being like, ah, I thought I had it and I, and I've just proven myself. It's like a relaxing yeah. Zen moment. Yes, like I literally said, damn, I'm not broke no more. <laughs> That's what I said. I said, oh my God, all this gambling with my life and playing with my, just, just, just really just, I was like, you know, me jumping off the ledge, I, I actually, I'm, I'm actually flying because Cardi B was my last stop, man. Literally. That was it for me. Like, Did she I was to the that? point, no. But I knew that, and at the time, Shaft knew that, that who, who used to manage us. Like, I was like, man, I'm just trying to get in, get a little pub deal, some real estate, some properties, and get the hell on up out of here, man. I'm just trying to get a little money and go about my way, man. And the butt, it, it, it just clicked that, like, damn, man, this girl, she's really a star. And what put the fire in, for me was people started to doubt her more that I was working with her. I would tell the people that I knew I'm working with her and they're they just doubting. Laugh, they'll laugh at it. So I'm, I, I, t- I took it like they're talking about me. Like So that means that you don't believe in what I'm doing either. So you you think I'm whack. You think, it, you think that I'm not. No, I'm not saying, bro, just work on something else that makes sense. This does make sense to me. What do you mean? She's a star. Like I'm, I, I've literally cut off people to this day. I don't talk to. Them. 
because of they was talking about Cardi. And there was, so I feel like they were talking about me, you know? So, uh, I, I was all in on Cardi B, like literally all my eggs in the Cardi B basket. I don't care if they all crack. It's either it's going to work or it's not going to work. So and I'm okay if it never does. And yeah, I mean, I want to think good things happen to, to good people, but I think good things happen to optimists. Yeah. You know? and, and the fact yeah. that you have the, the, the childhood you have, and then you still manage to have you know, faith or optimism or whatever it is to keep going. And then to have that and to follow it up. I mean, you have, I like it, which is such a big record. Yeah, man. And then you said, I mean, you won a Grammy, like you win Grammys, you get nominated for Grammys. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> and like we can go through individual songs, but like there's, there's a lot of, you're, you're constantly making music. You've got a lot of songs, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it, it was already impressive before you even had any songs come out. I, you know, to this day right now, I'm, 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 I'm still like, cool. Like, even winning a Grammy, you know, last year with, you know, for 21 Savage and J. Cole, man, it feels good. It's great. But, you know, I, I, I got so many chips on my shoulder, you know, you know, about, there's a lot of producers that got in this game and I, I, and I see like, oh my God, look, 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 look at this new guy. Oh, he got, he got a new song on this big artist. Okay. Yeah. But this artist is already big. So it's like a shoot. Yeah, that's easy. Um, I, I literally had to come in from the damn <laughs> basement. <laughs> and it wasn't even the music industry basement. It was like somebody else's basement. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we had to literally make our own noise to get people to really, you know, listen. So I'm still in that, you know, phase of my career. I still feel like that. Even when Savage went number one, I I, I was crying because I was pissed the hell off. Wait, what? Why would you? I was I was pissed off in a good way and a bad way. I was pissed off because I was like, "Stop sleeping on me! Stop sleeping on me!" Do you think people are sleeping on you now? Yeah, 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 definitely, 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 definitely. That's nuts, man. Look, I I, I, look. I'll be lying to you and saying. I would like to you and say that I don't see everything, right? I see, I, I see when certain blogs write about the producers, they don't mention my name. Or top guys in the game who are music producers, and my name's not mentioned, you know. Or certain execs or certain artists don't know the value I have with the actual artists. And sometimes they forget what I've done. And I'm like, no, I am a music producer. I create records. I don't make beats. I'm a creative. I make the records. If I just, if I could tell you the real stories behind all these records, you'd be like, damn, you know what I mean? 
So it's like, what would you say to artists that were listening and that were, you know, that have never worked with you and want to know what what it's like? I mean, what would you tell someone about who 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 do you think you <laughs> who do you think you are? Who do you think? You're right. You know. Um, I, I'm a. I I feel like I am. I feel like Bill Belichick or like Phil Jackson. Maybe that's a high reach. I don't know, but um, I I feel like you have three number ones. You're like you're six behind one of them and about three behind the other. So you're on your way. <laughs> so hey man, you have more. You have more number ones than the than the Kansas City Chiefs have Super Bowls in your lifetime. So there you go. Well, hopefully we'll have three. There you go. There you go. In a few weeks, man. Come on now, baby. Hold on. We're going to be tied up. No, but um, I I would say this to anybody. Um, it's not just about, you know, me sending you a beat. It's, it's definitely about um, me being involved inside the record as in the experience of the energy, you know. And a lot of times that might not be me writing a word or doing anything um, as far as that goes. But um, the records that I have been a part of, I'll tell you this, Ross, I've been very much a part of it, as in behind the scenes, to help make these records get to where they got to get to. You know what I mean? Um, I believe in my records 160 million percent and I don't let them die, especially if, if I believe in one. I don't. I don't let them go to waste. They find a home. But creating that record, I'm so much more than just a person that's going to send you a pack of beats. I hate that with a passion. Don't ask me to send you a pack of beats. I don't have a pack. I don't know. I, but one thing I do have is a song. You know, and I know with COVID is you know like what we're doing. We can zoom it up, but. You definitely need that energy. And I feel like that's my value. My value is my presence on the record, you know, and, and, and we can go for days and days on about each record and why, you know, I should be involved more, you know. Right. And, and I, I just feel like I just feel like I got to keep proving myself, which, which we all do at the end of the day. This industry is a well you done you know, lately type of thing, which is, you know, fine. I, 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 I just know that I'm like, damn, what more do I got to do for people to really, you know, look at me. And, and then I look at myself, I've said, well, damn, Jay, you only got three number ones. Quincy Jones got so much more. So actually shut the hell up and get to work. So yeah. I tell myself that and I, and I, I keep going. Yeah, you're clearly very competitive with yourself. I, I mean, but when you get Beyonce on featuring on records, um, there has to be some acknowledgement of having, you know. Um. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, my phone didn't ring like that, you know. When I mean, my phone was ringing when Savage came out. Beyonce was on there. I'm so grateful of it. But my my phone wasn't. Oh my god! Like. Jay White, Jay White, you know, it, well, it, it, it hasn't been that. Um, 
maybe this interview helps that. Um, in in this next segment, what what would Lucas Keller ask Jay White? On and the writer is he asks. Um, he says, "Tell me more about your brand. More hits on the way." So he wanted me to ask you about that. More hits. <laughs> That's what Luke, Lucas wants. <laughs> Big Luke. Man, more more hits on the way, man. That's it's really self-explanatory, man. You know what I mean? More hits on the way. I, I feel like we got power in the things that we say. You know, so more hits on the way. Um, I started saying that after I like it came out. You know, I was like, well, damn, more hits on the way. <laughs> you know, and I have honestly had more hits that's been on the way, and I still have more hits on the way. So um, I wanted to focus on that to really. Um, solidify myself as a you know a music producer and make that like my label and um now what i've been doing i've, I've been collecting talent from all over to create the actual more hits and away brand and to put out the ideas and the emotions and the energy that um i want to put out great last yeah, but, do five for five i'm gonna list five things just tell me what comes off the top of your head we're gonna start okay, cool. with cardi b um, a star. Let's go with your two kids. Um, strength. Let's go with Anthony. The seed. Let's go with your mother. The start. Go to grandma. Um, she is um, the glue. Well, thank you for doing this podcast, my friend. You know, uh, part of the point of this conversation in general was always to have conversations about what it's like to be a songwriter in this era. And there are so many things I think people can pull away from this conversation. But uh, I think we can both agree that the last thing that anyone can do is sleep on you. (laughs) Hey, hey, that's okay. I I got coffee. I'll pass it out. (laughs) (laughs) You know, going from, from the start, there are a lot of reasons why uh, people could have bet against you and they all would have been wrong. And uh, I, I hope that, you know, I, I hope that you find some solace in the success that you've had so far. Uh, I love the fact that you feel like it's important at this point in your life to be forthcoming about things that you weren't at one point. And part yeah. of should be the confidence in what you've really done, which is is truly remarkable. Like you said, have you, if you have a number eight record, that's a world. That's like a lifetime achievement. That kind of thing. That's making. Yeah. You know, there are people who made the All Star team once, and that's yeah. on their that's on their Wikipedia. And you look at it and you think, wow, man, that person made the All Star team once. Or yeah, it's like. People have yep. like greatest catch in Super Bowl history, and no one knows. You know that person had one catch in Super Bowl in their entire career. It's like, yeah, 
at, you were you made it, you know, at a number eight. All the other things are like are just amazing gravy on it, and are just proof. But man, it it is like it is really inspiring to meet other people in the business. Yeah, man. Who figure out how to survive in in music? But yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll stop after this because I know I'm talking a lot. But oh, it's all good, bro. You know, uh, a lot of times people ask how to make it out here, and and you know, in an era where I think talking about people's privilege is important, there are a lot of people in the business who claim that they were. What all the work they've done, and not to belittle the work they've done, but they were given yeah. a leg up. Their parents helped them out when they were struggling. Their parents oh, yeah. helped them get into school. Their parents helped them do stuff. And I'm not belittling that. I think that that takes a lot still to make it. But it to does. get under the the you know in the in the history that your childhood and what you've gone through. I think there's very little excuse for other people to not put in everything they have if they really want to be successful. So, you know, I'm just, I I love your story, man. And I I appreciate it, man. And, and, you know, the fact that, that your music isn't just rap, isn't just hip hop, it's pop, it's worldwide. It's, you know, you've influenced way more people than you give yourself credit for. Uh, And uh, it's just awesome, man. Congrats. Ross, man, I, I, I appreciate this interview, man. Thank you for taking, you know, time out and asking the, you know, the, the, the right questions, great questions. Because I, I really feel like it's bigger than music. It's, it's about the struggle. And I, I, I watch interviews or people that I try to figure out what, what did they do when they wanted to give up? What made them keep going? That's what I want to hear. Not what doll they use, but Honestly, how did they face adversity? You know what I mean? And and I, I feel like you this you nailed it. And um I appreciate everything and your time and and, and man, if you want to do part two, I got like hours more of this. <laughs> we'll do a we'll do a session together and we'll we'll make a a song together and, and, and there you let's go. Let's do it. Let, let, let's do it, man. Well, until then, man, uh Set it up for real, man. Let's let's get it done. Perfect. There you go. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. If you like what we're doing, please subscribe to us. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter. And the Writer Is is produced by Joe London and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silverstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Golan.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 